Good morning, everyone. Friends, our gospel has one of the days in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And um, he says the time of fulfillment is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. He tells you what that means. And then he says, on your part, you will repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. My friends, um, the story of Nineveh is well known to um, all Christians, uh, whether they fully embrace and understand the moral and theological teaching found in the Old Testament uh, in that story. Um, Because it's well known, I'm going to skip over uh, the first reading, making comments about it, uh, and focus on our gospel. So Jesus of Nazareth, Uh, we see he begins his public mission with a call. Repent and believe in the gospel. My friends, uh, John the baptizer, he was calling sinners to the Jordan, and uh, he had that same message, repent and believe um, because the Messiah is coming. And Jesus is that Messiah, and he picks up that same message, repent and believe. John was talking to sinners. Who is Jesus talking to then? Certainly Jesus is talking to sinners. But would you agree that Jesus was speaking to everyone? Do you accept this premise? Jesus is talking to everyone. If he is talking to everyone, then Jesus is also talking to those who consider themselves to be good. In Jesus' time, they were often self-righteous. My friends, the hardest people of all to convert are those who see themselves as good because they feel they have no need of conversion. Last night I said it's hard enough to get those who are ill to go to the doctor, but to those who are convinced that they are healthy, (laughs) we can't get them to go. Sinners who openly admitted that they were sinners did not cause Jesus the same challenge and trouble that the self-righteous did. It was different. So my friends, to respond rightly to Jesus' call to repentance and conversion, you have to have something inside of you. Um, It's hard to describe it, a dissatisfaction about something, uh, perhaps a longing for something that is better. And uh, there has to be this sense that something is not right, or at least that something is missing. Conversion begins then with the realization that we are not what we could or should be. This realization is uh, part of the first part of the journey of discipleship. To sincerely embrace the call to repentance requires openness and humility, and it takes courage, friends. Courage Uh, to put an end to self-deception and uh, to confront likely something that is painful and challenging. The courage to admit one's shortcomings and guilt and ask for forgiveness and the resolve to work for change takes courage. As it is, people are often set in their ways and in such they become trapped And it's almost impossible to move them from there. 
some people can see a better life, a better future, but they won't move towards it. And um, they realize that this future can't be achieved easily. They realize then the road forward will be long and the process slow and often just uncomfortable. The present self cannot dwell in the house of the future. Only a transformed person can. So perhaps that is why some people choose to stay as they are. Repentance is often presented as a harsh and negative and humiliating, sad thing. And uh, my friends, if repentance and conversion uh, consisted merely of feeling oppressively guilty about one's sins and doing penance for them, yeesh, that becomes hard. Last night I shared that my parents didn't instill Catholic guilt in us. Matter of fact, I didn't really know what that was until someone told me what it was, and I'm like, oh, my parents, they never taught us that. So I never had that. Uh, but many people did. And uh, I learned that repentance and conversion was a positive thing. To repent is to admit that not all is well with oneself, uh, but it is also to discover the extraordinary about oneself, the potential. And this is what I learned that God sees in his children, potential. And I think all parents see potential in their children always. So God sees potential in you and I all the time. But it will require us coming to him. It will require his grace. It will require that repentance and that conversion. And, uh, and this means uh, having a recurring, acquiring a new vision about things, uh, taking a new direction, likely different goals, certainly living better values. Nothing short of a way to a new and more life-giving way of being. Jesus said, I've come so that you may have life to the full. Not that you can have life less. And my friends, uh, a long time ago, I did not accept just existing. I wanted more. And I suspect you do too. Are you just okay with existing? I don't think anybody is. My friends, to see repentance and conversion in the positive leads to joy. To repent means to be converted, and conversion is the starting point of our Christian discipleship and journey. My friends, uh, conversion is not only a turning away from things that uh, we in the church call manifestly evil, but it is also a turning and embracing of goodness and of holiness and of love and of caring. And last night I, I said this, and I said to you know, accept that which is uh, holy. And um, someone said, Father, can you put that in um, the tangible? Can you tell me uh, what, that, what does that mean to accept or to embrace that which is holy, uh, that which is um, 
different. So my friends, what did I mean by that? Uh, when you become a disciple, when you have embraced Jesus Christ and his good news, uh, it is not simply, uh, here's one of the ways I'll put it. Sometimes people come into the confessional, and I'm glad they do. But they begin with, I have not murdered anybody. <laughs> I have not committed adultery. <laughs> now, most of the time you can't see me, and I'm like, <laughs> thank you for telling me the sins you did not do, but this room is about the sins you did do. <laughs> but I don't because that's not nice. Um, so the person last night said, Father, I, I, I listened to your homina, but and I understand what they're saying. Can you tell me tangibly what it means not to just not do bad? Because that's what Jesus is saying. The people of Nineveh didn't, they were, if you read the story, Nineveh was a, Nineveh was a nasty city. What would that be like? Combine New York and Las Vegas. And you got a picture of Nineveh times 1,000. So their conversion not only meant they would stop doing wicked, but they would start doing good. And uh, to follow the Lord this way, it means to accept his ways and his teaching as primary in your life. That means uh, not, well, I'll think about it, or it'll be something. It means today, what does that mean? Today it means standing up for the sacredness of life, especially human life at its beginning and at its natural end. Not being on the fence about it, not saying it's none of your business, but standing up for it, making a statement about it, doing something. It means trying to build bridges among people where there are divisions, not gossiping about it. Again, not saying it's none of my business. It is. Try to heal those divisions and factions it means speaking up about the truth, about governmental systems and powers and prestige that destroy human life and that dupe people into following those ideologies which lead to nowhere. It means guarding the dignity and the sacredness of human sexuality in a world that exploits it. I don't need to point it out to you where that is happening because it's everywhere. My friends, uh, do not be fooled. Human trafficking. Those who traffic human beings, traffic them and put them into the sexual trade as children, as young adults, enslaves them. It means standing up against it, speaking out against it, doing what we can. It also means guarding the holiness of the sacrament of matrimony in a world that so easily dismisses fidelity and commitment. Are you bored? Just go find someone else. You don't have to tell her. You don't have to tell him. Oh. As a matter of fact, why don't you invite the third one in? Where is their commitment and fidelity to the vows of matrimony there? 
It means guarding the importance of the spiritual life in a world that puts as first material things. To follow the Lord means more than just being able to quote him, to visit places where he walked on pilgrimages. It means so much more. Conversion means not only turning away from those things that are evil, but turning and embracing goodness and holiness and love and care. Repentance and conversion are conditions for entry into the kingdom of God. Jesus himself has said this. St. Paul has said this. All the apostles have said this. Christian discipleship is the continuing process of conversion. The new life cannot be achieved quickly or without discomfort. Otherwise, everyone will be doing it. And as you can clearly see from the pews, not everyone is doing it. As a matter of fact, where are the rest of the disciples? <laughs> Maybe they're visiting another city, doing what Jonah was doing. 40 days more and <laughs> dot, dot, dot. We will see them. Lent's coming. That means they're coming again, the Christers. And I see it as another opportunity, Christers, Christmas, Easter people. They only come at Christmas and Easter. This means I see it as an opportunity to try and get them to return again and again and again. My friends, this new life uh, of discipleship um, is difficult. Jesus said it would be. The apostles not only said it, they showed it. But with our Lord's grace and our sincere willingness and participation, for me as a priest and a pastor, the one thing that becomes clear when I see people struggling with this is that they've actually heard the good news of Jesus Christ and have embraced it. My friends, one of the other questions that came to me yesterday, what did Jesus mean when he said this is the time of fulfillment? The classical understanding of it is that there are four Epochs for time, uh, for seasons, for things. The first one was creation, the time of creation when God created everything. The second was the time or the era of promise. After the fall, God promised he would remedy this. The third one is the time of fulfillment that Jesus talked about. But he answers, he said, now is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God has broken in. In other words, he's saying, I am here. And then there's a fourth and final, the time of glory, the era of glory, when Christ himself will deliver all nations to his Father. He will put all foes beneath his feet. My friends, that means that time will be no time of racism, no time of human disease, no more hatred, no more wars, and finally, no more human death. You and I will die, but because of his sacrifice, we will have life eternal. But in that time of glory, humans will die no more. And the sadness attached to it will not exist anymore. That is a time of glory. We're looking forward to that. 
But in the meantime, Jesus says, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do your part. Now, St. Paul, in the second reading, we know that things were a little bit off for him in the beginning because he said, time is running out. Jesus is coming back. And he says, you know, those things. For those of you who are married, act like you're not married. <laughs> so I can just go and do what I want? No, that is not what St. Paul meant. Just the opposite. But what Paul, I think, ultimately really meant was it was a time of change. That part, is he absolutely hit. He knew. He understood. It was a time of change. It still is a time of change because we are still in the time of fulfillment. So let us do our best to usher in the kingdom because you know what I've said about this. When we do this, and the more we do this and the more intense we do this, it draws Jesus, his time of glory, sooner. And if you're afraid of him coming back, you got a lot of work to do. That's all that means for me. Those who are embracing holiness, those who are walking in it, they are looking for Jesus to come back on Monday because they know what the time of glory means. Peace and love unimaginable. And who would be afraid of that? Except for those who do wicked. They would be. <laughs> 